0: Chapter 30, and I'd like to read verses 21 through 23. And maybe we'll look at some verses that you have not considered before. Proverbs 30, verses 21 through 23, and it says, For three things the earth is disquieted, and for four which it cannot bear. For a servant when he reigns, and a fool when he is filled with meat. For an odious woman when she is married, or a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. Those four things Solomon mentions. Now, of course, the book of Proverbs is filled with all kinds of wise sayings, and you can read a chapter a day and make it through this book each month. By the end of the year, have read it through at least 12 times. Solomon was the wisest man of his day. The Bible says God gave him an understanding heart. This man could talk about anything, trees, insects. He had that kind of wisdom. But we also know that the words that he spoke very often transcended culture. Verse 25, when he talks about ants, like a people that are strong and prepare their meat in the summer. That's anywhere on planet Earth where you find ant life. You'll find certain habits and instincts. And with his description in verses 22 and 23 of four types of individuals, you'll find that all over this earth, people who act accordingly bring trouble. Now, disquietude means that there's no ease. There's oftentimes stress and difficulties occur because of that. The first one that is mentioned, he said, is a servant when he reigns. If you go to First Kings chapter 8, I can show you what he's speaking of here. In First Kings chapter 8, there is the story of Elisha who is going to visit a king of Syria. And what's interesting to me here is that this gentleman was a servant. Uh, Elisha, in verse 7, came to Damascus, Second Kings 8. The king's name was Ben-Hadad, and he was sick. And the king said to Hazael, take a present in your hand, go meet the man of God and inquire by him if I'll recover. So that's what the servant did. And when he came to Elisha, Elisha said to him in verse 10, Your king is going to die. But then he told him in verse 11, as he wept, he said, I see the evil that you're going to do to the children of Israel. Their strongholds you'll set on fire. Their young men you'll slay with the sword and you'll dash their children and rip up their women with child. He's saying you're going to throw people off the cliffs, onto the rocks. You're going to take pregnant women and plunge a knife into them and open them up. Terrible. Why would a man do that? Well, of course, the Proverbs is uh, pretty clear on describing the kind of disquiet and trouble that comes from a servant that reigns. A servant doesn't have a mentality to reign. It's the kind of mentality that keeps him at a level down here where he never can truly lead. All of these individuals in Proverbs 30 represent bad character flaws. And there are some people because of the development of their personality and their refusal to grow in grace and in knowledge, they're not fit to rule or lead. That's how the servant was. You probably seen out here, I'm sure you've seen it on several occasions, there will be a mom and a dad or grandparents that will work for decades to build up their farm or build up their family business. And they've hardly been in the grave six months before it's all been sold into different directions by the kids, sometimes by the grandkids. But you probably also noticed that there are times where the people who had the ability to lead and rule, they could amass fortune, abundance, and blessing. But then when they passed away and the next generation took over, they always had ideas about what they would do. But when they had the opportunity to implement the ideas, they not only didn't have the vision, they didn't have the heart, they didn't have the wisdom. And they caused all kinds of trouble for people. And This is what Solomon is saying. He told this man, you're serving the king. But well, there's coming a point in time you're going to be put in power and you're going to be troubled for the nation of Israel. You're going to do wicked things. And then that man Haziel said in verse 13, Why would you say that about me? Am I a dog that I would do this? Not right now you aren't. But opportunity and power and wealth is going to create that in you. And some people don't exhibit certain characteristics until they have the opportunity to pass through certain doors. And once promotion comes to them, if they don't have the mind they ought to have, they're trouble for everybody in the family and they're trouble for everybody around them. Let somebody pass away and somebody, be, somebody in the family becomes the, the uh, executor of the will. They want to now flex their muscles and show how tough They are. Yeah. Let somebody work their way up from the bottom that had a good character and makes it to the top, and and then people start setting their eyes upon them because those folks have something they want, position, power, influence. And people work to undermine their authority. The Lord is saying, it is crazy if you see a servant ruling over princes. In another place, Solomon says it this way. He says it's strange to see a prince running by the horse and the servant riding on the horse. That is to say the person in power should be the one on the horse and the servant running alongside it. But when sin gets involved, things go in reverse. That's the problem. Things go in reverse. And this man, Hazel, represents that kind of servant And Solomon, having the wisdom of God, is able to see this clearly. Now, the second thing that he mentioned was a fool who's filled with meat. That means a foolish person that has abundance and fullness of bread. You say, Pastor, is there anybody like that in the Bible? Sure, there is. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 25, you'll find the story of a lady by the name of Abigail. And the Scripture lets us know King David was on the run for his life. And David needed some food for all of his helpers, those that were supporting him. So verse 5, David sent out ten young men, and David said, Go up to Carmel to Nabal and greet him in my name and tell him, that my men have been out here with his livestock and we protected his livestock from marauders and predators and tell him, give us some food. So they did. And in verse 10, here's what Nabal said. He answered David's servants and said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays that break away from their master. Shall I take my bread? in my water and my flesh that I've killed for my shears and give unto men whom I know not where they've come from. He's saying, look, I have worked together all that I have. Why in the world should I give it to David just because he says he is a servant of the king or he is the king? Well, here's the point. Whatever you have from God, however God has blessed you, never forget that you may have what you have because God has done extraordinary things to preserve it. Nabal didn't even know that David's men had protected his livestock. Now think about that. You could have cattle. I mean, how many times maybe in years past, unbeknownst to you, somebody might have put your cattle back in your field without you even knowing it. It could possibly be that in past times in these centuries that somebody was out trying to rustle some cattle and somebody scared somebody off and preserved. Maybe your own personal property, somebody was about to vandalize something that you own, but an adult or somebody else came along and scared off some young people that wanted to hurt what you had. God goes out of his way to preserve what belongs to you. We need to be of the kind of character to be willing to bless people out of the abundance of what we have. This man had the audacity to say to David's men, Who is David? Now the Scripture tells us as Christians do good unto all men, but especially to those of the household of faith. So we should be willing to, to bless any and everybody who is of the Christian faith. But we still have to walk in love even with our enemies. Feed those that are hungry. Give water to those that are thirsty. Clothe those that are naked. In the end, when David found out what this man said, David told his men, arm yourselves. We'll go and put this man in his place. By the end of the day, he won't even be alive. David was angry. But Nabal, because his name in Hebrew means a fool, he had a wife named Abigail who was filled with wisdom. And the Bible says Abigail found out that her husband, who was rightfully named a fool, had made this statement. And so in verse 18, she made haste, to two hundred loaves and two bottles of wine, five sheep already dressed, five measures of parched corn, a hundred clusters of raisin, and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on asses, and she took those to David. I'm telling you, that's my kind of woman there. She said, we're going to eat. We're going to eat well. All she's missing are the cupcakes. See? All she's missing are the cupcakes. But, But think about that. Abigail came, and stood as a mediator between the wrath of David that was coming to her husband, and because she came with the gifts, the Bible says, David's wrath was averted, and he went no further to attack Nabal. Well, Nabal, of course, he he's partying and having a good time with all of his men, and his wife comes along and explains to him that, David was about to come and kill him, but she took what he had and gave to him anyhow. The Bible says he basically fell out and had a heart attack and died when he found out what his wife had done. Here's the thing the man said in Proverbs 30 one more time. He said, The earth is disquieted by four things, and the second thing is a fool when he is filled with meat. Some people, when they are self self sufficient and they are satisfied with all that they have, and they are foolish in their thinking, they won't share. You ever met somebody that had a sharing problem? You know, a sharing problem. You know, like if they if they have you know food on their plate that they enjoy and then here you come along and maybe you take a little fork and you just want to stick that there in the potatoes on your wife's plate, and then as you're trying to do that, then she kind of throws her shoulder up and turns this way. That's a sharing problem. Yeah. And if if God has blessed you and prospered you, then you want to be able to take up what you have and share with other people. The Bible says it's a foolish person that has fullness of bread and meat and yet troubles other people. That's what he's talking about. All of us have had people that have blessed us and helped us. I don't think any of us in here could be where we are today. were it not for people helping us in some way or another, but what we've received, we've got to pass that on and be a blessing to other people. Yeah? What's the third thing that Solomon brings out? Solomon says, an odious woman when she is married. Now, turn in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 16. And I want you to see this little story here of King Ahab, because I've always thought this was quite an interesting little, little piece here. Is a little woman by the name of Ahab, and I put down a few little notes that I wanted to read off to you. That I made First Kings 16, I believe it is. Look at verse 31, and it says, "It came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter." Of Ephbal, the king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshiped him. Now, all of us know that Jezebel does not hold a name of honor. She's a very infamous woman. But there are very distinct characteristics about this lady. Number one was one of manipulation. She knew how to manipulate any kind of a scene. She was so evil, so wicked, that if she couldn't get her way, She'd manipulate people. In fact, there was a gentleman that owned a little piece of property next to the palace, and her husband Ahab went to him and said, "Uh, Sir, I'd like to purchase this ground that you have, since it's directly next to the palace. He said, I can't sell it to you. Mosaic Law says this is in my family and my tribe, so I'm not allowed to part with it. Well, he then got angry, threw a fit, went to the palace, curled up in bed, unhappy. And his wife, she comes bounding into the bedroom, said, what in the world's your problem? He explains to her what I just told you. She said, well, what kind of a man are you? I thought you had a spine. Why in the world would you even ask this man Naboth if you could have it or ask him to sell it? Why don't you just take it? She said, I'll get it for you. So she wrote a letter, she sealed it with the king's seal, and they took the property from that man. Now that's manipulation. And that's how Jezebel operates, and that kind of a nature is in people, some people. It doesn't have to just be in a lady, it could be in a man. The proverb said, an odious woman, when she is married, produces trouble and a disquieted atmosphere. There has to be tension and turmoil, some kind of strife all the time stirred up. And that's how Jezebel was. What other characteristics did this lady have? Rebellion? She wouldn't listen to her hubby. She wouldn't listen to God. She introduced idolatry into that nation, and she was opposed to anything that had to do with the prophets of God and the true proclamation of holiness. She wanted her own faith, her own religion, and had no desire to listen to what a man of God had to say. That's Jezebel. What other characteristics did she have? A strong feminine spirit that despired her own husband's headship. She had to be the boss. Now, of course, today I'm of the... Opinion. I don't know how you think about this, but I honestly believe that uh, since bread isn't any cheaper for a woman than it is for a man, if she's doing the same kind of job, she ought to get paid for what she's doing. But I also know that God has placed within the created order in that family the headship of the man in that house. And when that Jezebel spirit comes inside of a person and it comes to dominate, then it despises any kind of authority, especially if it's biblical authority. Well, that means that for us gentlemen, we need to exhibit biblical roles of headship and be the priests of our home and be godly, spiritual men because Ahab wasn't. Jezebel was the production of that. And when we aren't, then oftentimes Jezebel, spirit, it manifests in that home because of this situation. This lady, she wanted to kill all the prophets of God. She took the taxpayers' money and promoted the prophets of Baal and sat them down at the palace table, if not daily, certainly weekly. And she fed them from the money that came from dedicated people that loved God it is clear then that when he united himself in marriage to this woman she had an attitude that was odious and a disposition that wasn't pretty have you ever seen have you ever seen people that um are attractive physically that is to say in their countenance in their physical form or whatever But the more you get to know them, as far as their personality, they are less attractive. That's how I think Jezebel was. That's how I think she was. She was one of these people that if she was in the room with folks, people really just kind of turned away and didn't want to have anything to do with her. Part of the characteristics of this. At the same time, she had that hatred for the prophets and the preachers of truth, and her disposition was hostile towards God's people. Now we see that today in the media. We see that today in society. I don't think any godly lady who follows Scripture and wants a house founded on the Word would ever take Jezebel as a heroine or a model of the kind of life they would want. She'd kill her own mother if she had to just to receive power. But then the fourth thing that Solomon mentioned in Proverbs 30, he said, Of these three things the earth is disquieted, and for four it cannot bear. What's the fourth kind of person the earth cannot bear? A handmaid that is heir to her mistress. That means here's a lady who believes now that she's equal to, to the lady she's laboring for. Now there's an interesting story in Genesis 16 about a man named Abraham and Sarah who wanted a baby. And Sarah, being unable to conceive at that period of her life, she had a bright idea. She said, why don't I give my husband Abram, my maid and I'll let him sleep with her, and the baby born from her I'll raise up to be my child. Well, it says in Genesis 16, verse 2, Sarah said to Abram, The Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray you, go unto my maid. It may be I may obtain children by her. So Abram He didn't try to talk his wife out of it. It says, Abram hearkened. (laughs) He hearkened. The one time he listened to his wife, he hearkened to Sarah, and he beat a fast track into that tent with Sarah, excuse me, with Hagar. And the Bible then says in verse 3, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, After they had dwelt ten years in the promised land, she became his wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. Now, for us in this culture, it's very difficult to imagine allowing your hubby to climb into the bed with another lady. And I think it's because of so many of these customs amongst the patriarchs that later on with Moses, when the Lord gives the law, he tells him to tell Israel not to do so many of the things that are done here. So Moses writes down in his law, Thou shalt not multiply wives unto yourself. How many of you men think one is too many? Well, maybe we'll say one is enough. I am about to say, because some of, you, some of you were ready to raise your hand. I was looking at your wives when you said that, eh? Hand out the corner now. You better get that hand down. Yeah. So, So one is enough. But in ancient times, you had these ladies that desperately wanted children. And in the Middle East, you find that today to have a boy. That's so important to carry on that tribal name. And this is why Muslim men today, to the heartache sometimes of their first wife, they'll take a second wife, even a third wife, up to a fourth wife, in order to try to populate that region with their tribal name. And the ancient custom with regard to Sarah here was to try to go down a road similar to that one. But the Bible says in Genesis 16, verse 4, that when Hagar conceived, she started to despise her mistress. That means that once she realized she was having a baby, she then carried on as though I'm the one carrying Abram's child, not you. If you were even half the woman that I am, you'd be pregnant with her, with his child. And when the Scripture says that she despised Sarah, that is to say that as that baby grew within her and formed its bones, ligaments, in that womb also developing within her was a hatred for the lady that gave her the opportunity. So this is why Solomon says. Something that troubles the world is a is a is a servant that becomes heir with the mistress, a maid that becomes heir with the mistress. If you open the door to certain people and promote them, then they'll turn around and begin to hate you. Yeah. You've heard people talk about don't bite the hand that does what? Feeds you. See? You probably given opportunities to people and blessed people in different ways, and then they turn around and use the blessing as a way to oppose you and to be angry with you as though you did something wrong. And it was an opportunity. She could have thought that maybe, maybe Sarah was trying to exploit her and using her as a surrogate, something that wasn't nice, but... Hagar, just like anybody else, could have said no, could have said no. And, and opportunities that come to you, you're able to turn them down if you want to, especially if you think you're dealing with someone that doesn't have the the type of character that you'd like to labor with. In the end, the Scripture says she treated Sarah so bad, Sarah went to Abram, and Abram said, why are you coming to me about this? You're the You're the mistress of the house. She works for you. Why don't you handle this? So Sarah did. and The Bible says that Sarah dealt with her harshly. Now, I don't know what she did, but she probably went in there and said, Look, you know, you're not the one that is my boss. I'm your boss. And sometimes you've got to get things right side up rather than upside down because in many quarters you'll find that the employee, if you give him too much opportunity, the employee think that they're the ones that are running you. And sometimes you've got to put your foot down and assert your authority to remind people in this instance why they have the position that they have. And when it was all over, she dealt so harshly with Hagar that Hagar took off in her pregnancy and ran into the wilderness. She said, I don't have to put up with this. And she ran away and she cried out to God. And you know God found her out there in that wilderness, and you know what he told her? He said, you go back, and you submit. You created this circumstance. You ended up pregnant with Abram's child, and then you started treating her harshly, like you hated her, and that hostility now has borne fruit, and the harvest of it is that she came down hard on you, and now you're sitting in the wilderness, and you're wondering if anybody even cares about you. And I wonder how many people are there like that in this world today, sitting out in the wilderness by themselves, wondering if there's anybody that even sees them or is even thinking about them. Yeah. A lot of ladies, a lot of men, are just wondering if God even knows where they are. And God came to this woman and told her, go back and submit. Sometimes going home, and going back into circumstances that weren't favorable towards you, Is the best thing that you can do because you have to learn how to live with the consequences of your own decisions sometimes. It's like a a gentleman one time told me that he had some difficulties in a small town and he had really thought about leaving. But he was talking with an older saint one time and that old saint said to him, you know, you've got to learn how to stand where you've fallen. Since you fell right here, and your problems were created right here, you need to learn to stand up right there in that spot and then walk away. Because if all you're going to do is run, and you're going to run for a wilderness looking to escape a problem like Hagar was trying to do, wherever you go, if you have the same character, you'll create the same problems again. And that's why some people you'll see, they'll go from town to town, And you'll meet them, they can tell you, oh, yeah, in the last 10 years, I probably lived in 27 different towns. And then they'll tell you all the different jobs that they had. And if you pay attention to when they're talking to you, they'll explain to you about how everybody they worked with had a problem. And everybody else was wrong. And nobody else knew what they were doing, but they knew what they were doing. And sometimes it's better to just go back and learn to submit and do it the right way. That's a godly way to do it. Yeah. So I think Solomon was on to something in Proverbs 30 when he was talking to the reader. And he said, three things cause the earth to become disquiet, and for four, four things they can't bear a servant when he reigns, because they're not fit to reign, mentally fit to reign. said, even a fool when he's filled with meat, Nothing worse than a fool that has a lot of resources and doesn't know what to do with them at all. An odious woman, when she is married, she doesn't understand what it means to be united in matrimony, And her character and disposition is unattractive. And then finally, that handmaid that is heir to her mistress begins to believe she's better than her own mistress. I pray God helps us to keep from becoming like any of these people. We certainly don't want to be prideful, we certainly don't want to be foolish, we definitely don't want to be dominated by a Jezebel spirit, and we don't want to be unattractive in the way that we interact with people, you know. So Solomon had a lot to say. And I think there's a whole lot here we can certainly Learn when when you think about troublesome people and the people who've come and gone in your own personal life, the people that have worked alongside you, the different people you've had with you, if you give it a whole lot of thought, you'll find out that a lot of people didn't stay because they had discord in their heart, they liked disunity. That kind of a thing. They like to sow distrust. Not everybody. There are a lot of people that are like that. People that are whispers behind the scenes. They like to try to stir up something and call somebody to be angry with that person or somebody to be angry with this person. But usually you don't have to do much. All you have to do is keep walking with God, keep your integrity, and the whisperer will eventually continue to manifest themselves because after they've talked to enough people, they'll produce a harvest of folks that won't like them. And then pretty soon when they come around, they realize there aren't a whole lot of people that are reaching out to embrace them or to spend time with them, and then this is what you begin to hear. And they'll begin to hear this. I I, I feel like I should be moving on now. Well, the reason you feel like you should be moving on is because with your mouth, you started closing doors in every direction, see? And once those doors closed, then you realize it's time to move over here in this direction. But when you get there, if we haven't learned what we should have learned back there, we'll close every door over here too, yeah? Sometimes the best way is just mum the word and to be honorable. I told somebody here not too long ago, of all the pastors that I've had, all the churches that I've been a part of in my life, I've never, ever left a church except that I could go back there today and that pastor would let me in that pulpit to preach. He would. And even when I've been under pastors, had a whole lot of different, different pastors in my life, all the pastors that I've had that did things that I didn't always agree with, I never one time went throughout the church telling everybody about what the pastor was doing or wasn't doing that I didn't like. My pastors never knew that I wasn't happy about anything unless they had me sitting at the kitchen table and they said, well, what do you think about this? How do you think we can make this better? Then I'd share my heart. But just to go from house to house and gossip about the pastor, I'd never do that. Or about people in the church. That's not my kind of way of handling things. I've told you in the past... How many times when we first started the church and we were here, I'd be out somewhere on Main Street and somebody'd come up to me and they'd say, Well, you, you're that pastor of that church down on the south end? I said, Yep, that that's me. They said, Well, do so and so go to your church? I said, Yeah, they they go to our church. And then they'd start off, you know, with all this backbiting stuff and saying stuff. And right there in the middle of the conversation, I'd just turn and walk away and never would even look back. You say that's disrespectful. Hold oh, no, on, that's not disrespectful. That's godly. Turn my back or give no place to the devil. What would have been been ungodly would have been to stand there with a big ear, listen to all that poison, and then watch them try to turn my heart against people that are sitting there listening to me teach every week, and they don't even come down here to church, you see. To walk with God, that's the most important thing. And to be honorable is so important. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand. Praise God. Praise God. Isn't it good that Solomon wrote the Proverbs? I pray God keeps us from being like any of those people that he mentioned. And I pray the Lord keeps us and blesses us, and I know that he will. We'll have a word of prayer because I could tell as I was teaching, some of you folks were thinking about them cupcakes like I was. I tell you, licking your chops. I know. (laughs) Father, we love you and we praise you today because your word is true. And you have shown us again that we could walk close enough with you that we don't have to be bothered by the kinds of people that are bothersome. So, Lord, help us to be people of peace. Help us to be sons and daughters of the king, because you said we are peacemakers if we do so. Continue to lead and guide us and bless us as we walk with you and as we depart from this place but never from your presence. Be with us all until we gather again in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen.